Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Four weeks of USC spring football is down. One left already had the spring showcase. Don't call it a spring game on Saturday. So we're going to talk all about that with Keely Yor, who's with me in studio, and Dan Weber we have on the line. If you have any questions for us with spring ball wrapping up this week, get your spring ball questions in before it's too late. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd like to call or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. And of course, uh, we really appreciate you listening in here on the Peristyle Podcast. I think our 12th football season coming up. We've been doing this a really long time. So we, we're glad you're out there listening if you're on iTunes, maybe leave us a, a you know a five star rating, a positive review. Tell your friends, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate it. We can we're available on all the podcasting platforms. If you find one out there, you don't see the Peristyle Podcast on, just email me. Let me know. Podcast at uscfootball.com. We'll make sure we get on there as well. Before we jump into everything, just want to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship here of us on the Peristyle Podcast. They've been great to us over the last couple of years and i make sure you know rec, uh, this one we talk about some of their products all the time go to traderjoes.com they're also on instagram but they always have some really interesting foods that'll pop up there one that caught my eye this morning was the milk chocolate caramel crunch medallions to talk about giving they have a little special behind them they give them if you want to give a you know someone in your life doing something good you want to give them a medal these are good medals to give away and man they look amazing i am still Trying to do, I'm not doing great up. I'm trying to do no sweets up through Easter, and uh, so this was kind of killing me to see this. But I'm gonna have to pick some up and put them, put them in the fridge, put them in the freezer, and check them out, uh, you know, after Easter. But one of the great stuff out there. But TraderJoe's.com has a lot of interesting and uh, you know, eye popping pictures that you want to look at. It's like, oh, you know, I want to try that for dinner. Oh, I want to try that for a snack. So make sure you check that out. We talk about Trader Joe's all the time, but go to the website TraderJoe's.com. And you can get some uh, really good ideas. But we got Dan Weber on the line joining us. What's up, Dan? Uh, not much. Uh, um, it's fun to kind of, uh, you hear the feeling last weekend that you finished up, and yet there's still, you know, a couple of days to go, one in pad. So uh, I, I do like it that they've used up all but one of their allowable full pads days uh, in the first four weeks. So that's a good sign, I think, for, for where we're going. And I kind of liked it that they just, I know other people, you know, wanted a spring game or whatever, but I liked it that they just did what they decided this was the best thing for us to do. And they almost didn't pay any attention to the fact that the Pac-12 network was there. I mean, maybe that's uh, a reasonable thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it was like, yeah, if you want to come to practice, go ahead. We'll, we'll practice. Yeah. We'll be in full pads. And uh, we'll probably – and I think the only changes they made for Saturday is – uh, and I know they didn't do some of the special team stuff, but the more you think about it, as much as that was maybe not to show everything they're doing, they really you don't have room on Cromwell Field, uh, you know, to do the you know all the special team stuff of that. You just you know you're just limited in space. You don't have a second you know field, 
And uh, and so uh, they they kind of it was a regular practice pretty much with a maybe you know a little more uh, eleven on eleven, but not a lot more than than what they normally do. And I think they just this is what we do, this is how we do it, and we're not changing. Uh, kind of like that uh, element that that they they had a reason for doing what they were doing, and they just kept doing it, and nothing else nothing's going to change them. I, I, I like that that the circumstances aren't going to say, oh, well, we have to do this or we have to do that. They just said, nah, this is what we do. This is what we think the best thing to do is. We're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, I thought, you know, doing something reasonable is actually kind of refreshing because we've seen some very unreasonable things being done. So just doing some reasonable things this spring, I think, is very good. Keely, have you seen some? Welcome, Keely, you are. Uh, you seen Hello, some reasonable things? Yes, I have seen some reasonable <laughs> things. It seems slightly sarcastic to me. No, but yes, it's been, re- I think, I wasn't expecting them to use all their full pad practices. Now, the question I have for both of you, and I had this on the Family Feud podcast for Shotgun, are our standards lowered just because of the way we've been watching practice for the last couple of years? If we were in a vacuum, would we be impressed with what we've seen so far this spring? Interesting. What do you think, Dan? You know, I think my my feeling is I think our standards are almost, heightened in terms of what you expect because it was such a low point uh, last spring and then and, and last fall, basically all of, all of last fall in terms of how they, you know, approach things. So I think things are going to look different. Uh, but in terms of, um, you know, I think we've seen enough uh, practices done right. Uh, and, you know, this is, you know, Ryan was, was certainly there for, for Pete Carroll's practices. Uh, these don't look that different from what, what Pete did. Uh, they were quick. They were competitive. Uh, you know, they, they did what they did. They didn't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what somebody else is going to do and then counterpunch and all of that. They basically said, this is what we do. This is who we are. See if you can stop us because we're going to keep getting better at it. And I think that's kind of the you know, the philosophy now. So, uh, so I, you know, I think that's a good question. Uh, you know, were you, are you, you know, skewed in terms of your way you view practice now, because it looks, it looks good compared to how it used to look. But I think, I think it's, I think it's pretty good period uh, in terms of these players doing what they have to do. And I think the coaching uh, has moved up uh, a good bit. Uh, they work together better. Uh, I think they really, you know, they, they, they correct guys. I think they're doing drills that make much more sense uh, where they combine two and three things in a drill. So they get more done, you know, more efficiently. Um, so good question. I don't think so, but what, I don't know what Ryan thinks. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question too. And I feel like personally, just internally, Yeah, I think I've lowered my standards for like, you know, but I I do feel I agree with Dan. I think they are doing a lot of the right things, but just fixing a couple small things, I feel like, oh, this is way better. Uh, I mean, and I I think it starts with you look at what they were able to do on offense. They just weren't scoring anywhere near the level of the kind of talent that you saw on the field. Like, you know, those are all good running backs. You know, there's a whole bunch of really good wide receivers. You know, JT Daniels was a very good quarterback and they had other guys that were fine too. And, and for whatever reason, they just weren't able to score points. And now you're seeing someone come in 
give this offense an identity. It's not the gumbo. It's just, and you just feel like, wow, I think that's going to fix a lot of things. I'm not sure. Like there's still something in the back of my head that was like, yeah, but we've seen them screw these things up like late in games or whatever it is. And like, I, I feel like they're going to score more points. Will they be like a 10 win sort of team? I think they certainly have that potential, but there's something inside me. Keely is like, oh, I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. Maybe we'll see a game or two. and be like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. This is, they've turned the corner, which, you know, a lot of USC fans would be very happy for, but at right now I'm still like kind of optimistic of what I've seen, but a little, you know, there's still some pessimism floating around in there, I guess you could say. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, I think I think the one thing we can't see is do they have the kind of power and explosiveness up front on both sides? I mean, I think we can say on defense, the bodies are there. The athletes are there. They've trimmed down. They've leaned up. They look like they're, you know, doing the right things in the way they're controlling gaps, and they've got a whole lot of linebackers that look like they can play. Certainly they're athletic guys. Uh, on the offensive line, I think that may be the hardest place uh, until you start playing somebody to know for sure, do you have the right guys? You know, do you have them at the right positions? Do you have them doing the right things? Uh, and, and when push comes to shove, are they going to be able to, you know, control the line of scrimmage? Are they going to be able to attack people? And uh, when they have to, blow them off the line of scrimmage. And are they going to be, you know, assignment sound? Um, I don't, I, again, I think that you're going to have to wait till August 31st or something, whatever, to get a, a complete sense of that. You can have a feel that it's going better or that it looks better or uh, what they're asking them to do, you know, it's, it's much, makes much more sense. And it's something that is definitely doable. They, they certainly do more reps. I mean, sat, uh, for example, Saturday, if the first three tackles who you were penciling in as your first three offensive tackles would not have been available for a practice last year, they couldn't have run the practice, I don't think, uh, on offense. It would have been very hard. And, you know, they, they put Liam Jimmins at right tackle and uh, bring in Frank Martin at left tackle, and they just go. Uh, I think that, I was real impressed with that, that they could do that, because we're all thinking, oh, my gosh, what? What happens now without Austin Jackson, without uh, Jalen McKenzie? We know Clayton Bradley's been out all, all spring. I, I think that's a sign that they look like they may be able to do that, but, but I don't think we know for absolute certain. Yeah, I think in the context of Clay Helton and what we've seen from him, this spring has been positive steps forward. Yes. And, and if you go back to last spring, that definitely was not the case. So I think it steps forward. That doesn't mean we make the leap to, and thus they're a – 11-12 win team <laughs> next year. You know, I, I think we can say that they're better, but is it a complete change? Will Helton keep pushing the boundaries of what we're used to seeing from him? I don't know. Um, but I think it's interesting because to Dan's point about Pete Carroll and whatnot, um, Helton said something on Saturday that kind of raised our eyebrows a little bit. He said, we can literally let everyone come in here and watch this. We don't really care. We want to be able to set our standard and play to that standard. Which it's funny because Dan and I ran into fans after the the spring showcase, and we asked them, "Who do you think said that?" And someone said Pete Carroll, and someone said Graham Harrell, and we we're like, "It's Clay Helton," and they were like, "What? That's not Clay Helton." So, the the evolution of where Clay stands on this is interesting to see this spring. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not just saying it. I mean, there were times he Clay would say the right things last year, but they weren't doing the right things, so it kind of didn't matter what he said. Uh, 
But if they're doing what they're saying, you know, he's what he says they're trying to do is what they're doing. You got to say, huh, this it's moving in the right direction anyway. Um, so, you know, as much as you're not going to forget last year, and we have a bunch of, you know, fans out there that, that maybe never forget last year. But uh, but this isn't last year, and I think you know at this point you got to give them credit for the changes they've made and the incremental way that they're moving in a direction that I think we all agreed they needed to move in. So we'll see where that takes them. The fact that they may have better players than most everybody they play uh, gives them a chance. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's USC's never lacked for players. It's really just been about. Uh, the coaching and I feel I did a Oregon radio or morning radio show in Portland and you know talking about that I was like yeah you know and I mentioned that what you said Dan that they asked about how the offensive line's going you know I'm like well there was a little concern that Tim Drevno hadn't coached this kind of a system a little concern that Kerry Colbert you know is the sole wide receiver coach but it seems like Graham Harrell and Mike Jenks they've at least been able to disseminate the information and, and it seems to be working. Now there's not a lot of receivers right now, so maybe it's a little bit easier on Kerry, but uh, at least he's kind of getting, uh, you know, his, his feet wet with this system. And like Dan mentioned, having like your top three or four tackles out and a defensive tackle, your starting right tackle for the last couple of practices. And they still, it's not like a disaster. It still looks fine. I'm not sure you would have seen that before. So that just tells me that's like, yeah, that, your your players might have got you know got downgraded a little bit to those spots, but the coaching is better, and so they're not. You're not going to see that kind of drop off. Where before we saw people that were probably more talented. I think the last couple of years you're going to have a more talented offensive line. They what you'll see this year, but I think this line is going to perform better than what we've seen in the last couple of years, despite not having the kind of talent I think that you had those two years. I, I think I think they can be more athletic. I mean, I, if you look at the the offensive line. Uh, if you look at at least the, you know, not, not counting the centers who were a little bit of, you know, kind of squatty bodies, uh, you know, at six, two and not quite 300 pounds. Um, you look at the other four guys and you're talking about basically an offensive line that averages, you know, six, five and a half and about 310 pounds, something like that. That's that look you want. I mean, that's that when you look at like, you know, every once in a while, you'll see a Washington state offensive lineman who's an All-American and, you know, like they have this year, who's going to be a, you know, top 10 draft pick. And that's the way they look, you know, for this offense. You want those kind of rangy guys who, uh, you know, kind of grow into their bodies. And uh, like a Jalen McKenzie, who has a whole different look, you know, from last year. So he's not that, you know, kid that, that you know, just wasn't ready to play. Um, you know, 5% less body fat and, you know, going to be up to 320 probably and uh just has a whole different whole different look about him whole different attitude about him if if they develop that and they keep you know going in that direction again they've got a chance and it's not so much you know every once in a while when clay says something like kaylee said on saturday you go whoa but it's not so much what they're saying it's more what they're doing and how they do it every day i mean they really do you know they they repeat a third of the offense of install every day so you know tuesday thursday and saturday they this will be the this will be the fifth install this week you know a third of the offense on tuesday a third on thursday and a third on saturday and that's just how they do it and the the number of reps that they're getting i mean last year you had the sense that 
some of those things that they were trying to do on offense, they hadn't almost repped them at all. And here you get the sense that, you know, there's nothing that they haven't done over and over and over again. Um, so they don't have to think about it. They just have to do it. And I know Drevno is real impressed with the fact that instead of trying to come up with new plays or a new scheme or, oh, maybe we need that didn't work, let's do that, it's taking what you're doing and doing it till you do it perfectly and so that you, the work you do is not coming up with new stuff, but making sure, you know, your feet are right, your, you know, your helmet is right, all of the little things so that you can play faster and more physical. Uh, it's the way, you know, I always thought that's the way football should be played and coached. And uh, it certainly seems that that's where they're going and, and good for them. I think that's the right way. And that's a bigger deal than maybe we've even, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It might be a bigger deal than we've even talked about just to, to turn the ship around and, and go in that direction. Uh, real quick, uh, after the spring scrimmage, uh, Keely and Dan go off to do their instant analysis video, which I'm sure you guys all watch uh, after practice. I ran over to the uh, swim stadium to check out a little bit of swim with Mike, and that was fun. It was mostly winding down by the time I got there, but they had the nice barbecue out on Howard Jones Field, so got a little got a little grub on. Uh, shout out to Nancy, hooked me up with a swim with Mike t-shirt, which was full. And then so kind of just in time, the football players came out and the song girls. And uh, if you ever see the relay, I put some pictures and some video on social media. It's pretty fun where the they'll have like four football players in a, in a, in a floaty, like one of the song girls would be in a floaty and they're swimming and pushing this through the, the you know, back and forth and stuff. And uh, it was pretty fun. They got, you know, it's great causes. So many, I think there was like 270 scholarships they've given out. And Ron Orr started this way back in like 1981. Uh, Nancy, who I was working with, she said she's been doing this for like 32 years or something like crazy. Like people have been doing this for a really long time. And, uh, you know, our friend Jake Olson is uh, one of the recipients when he got one of those scholarships. So pretty neat to see the people out there and the support and stuff. So it was uh, it was a nice transition. So hopefully some of the fans, if you went out to the spring showcase, you got to go over and check out Swim with Mike. I mean, it's, it's one of the great traditions in college. And you could call it college athletics, you know, because it really does you know, provide scholarships for a lot of, you know, kids with, you know, sports-related injuries. And uh, and it's just, it's something that sets USC apart. It's really special. Uh, it's just great to see everybody, uh, you know, working together. It's just a, a great moment. Do you know who won the relay, ride? I didn't know. Um, they were they were all getting into it, though. Their players were, you know, uh, but it was funny. You saw some of the coaches over there. The strength staff came over to get some barbecue and stuff. I was like, Oh, they're allowed to eat like stuff too. You know, <laughs> um, that was pretty good. Uh, well, so the, but I thought the crowd, what did you think Kelly? Like, I thought it was a pretty good crowd for a substantial crowd for like being a, you know, and they, they correct you every time. It's not a game. It's a spring showcase. Um, you got, we got to see, uh, uh, Kerry Colbert and uh, Graham Harrell go way up to the top of the uh, tower on, uh, whatever, uh, you know, over Cromwell field. But I thought that, you know, a good amount of people came out to, to watch it. Good amount of people. And they, I was imp- surprised by how impressed they sounded. There was a lot of, Ooh, Oh, yeah. which like you're not used to hearing at practice. So it was a nice to hear a crowd. Yeah. No, I think, I, I, I don't think Pete's wrong when he said that, you know, these kids like to like to perform, uh, in front of a crowd and crowds do good things. And, uh, Although these guys look like they're so focused on on what they're doing, I I, I really am impressed with 
with the way they're going about their business. And I think last year had as much as uh, <laughs> that season had an effect on fans and us maybe, but uh, I think uh, uh, the effect it hit on the players, we almost can't measure because you do really get the sense of they've taken in what happened and, and are, are saying, you know, never again, because they know that shouldn't have been a five, seven team. And uh, I think they, I think they got a chip on their shoulders, and I think that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, they're in a position a little bit like, you know, Pete was in year one and two, where nobody, you know, after Pete's first year at six and six, they kind of wrote them off a little bit. And, you know, that was a team that by the end of the year was easily a top four and probably very possibly anyway could have beaten anybody in the country by the end of the year. They knew you know, okay, we figured it out. We know what we're doing. We got enough players, uh, and I think this team is is kind of in a, in that comparable situation. We uh, make got, that turnaround. Oh, uh, yeah. we got we got to see Juju Smith Schuster out there. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, he was out there. I actually saw Jack Jones, former USC cornerback, was in the, the stands, kind of checking things out. I didn't see any other transfer portal people. I don't know if you saw anyone else, Keely, but I don't think so. Jack Jones was the only one I spotted. Yeah, but uh, it's funny, Juju. You know, they did some social media stuff with the USC Athletics. Juju, if you've seen him on social media lately, like Anthony, <laughs> Antonio Brown is trying to crush him on you know social media and is just backfiring. Yeah, in his keyword face. trying. Yeah, he's real. I don't know what like. Yeah, it's it's sort of like. I mean, Juju's like one of the nicest dudes around. Like, if you want to try to poke fun at like a nun or something, like it's probably not going to go well <laughs> for you. Uh, is that maybe not a great analogy? But like Antonio Brown just is looking like a, a jerk, you know. And uh, but I mean, Juju is so good at that. Yeah, Antonio Brown should stay away from trying to touch <laughs> on Juju on social media. He's going to crush you. Yeah, I mean, quit it. Somebody needs to advise him. Stop it immediately. You're gonna get killed. Yeah, he he pulled out an old DM that Juju had sent him from like four years ago, where basically it was like, "Hey, I look up to you. I'm asking for advice. As a, you know, I'm in college and stuff. They had to play on the same team, and you know, they did a commercial together and stuff. So this is weird. Like this, it just seems weird that this is happening. But um, it is, sometimes guys get really bad advice. Like, oh yeah, you should probably do that. That would make you know. And I don't I don't know where that advice is coming from, but it's just not. It's just complete backfire. Like just just stop. You know. Well, I mean, jealousy is never a good look. And, you know, Juju was the guy that came in and, and, you know, gets voted MVP and kind of takes over Pittsburgh media. And that bugging the hell out of Antonio Brown. It's obvious. Yeah. He he did not like it. But he was out there. um, You know, I thought, yeah, I think overall, like, I would love to see them get back to an actual game when the, the new Coliseum opens next year. Uh, well, I mean, it'll be open later this year, but when, you know, it will be around uh, next year, next spring, get back to, you know, you should have enough bodies. There's only like eight seniors on the team or something like there should be enough people out there, get out there and do a game, get the in and out trucks again, whatever you want to do. Like those were good days, you know, heck sell beer. Like that would be fun. <laughs> you know, it's a nice spring day. I don't, I don't even know if they had concessions. I looked around, I didn't see any. Uh, for that, but Barely. I, I had th- one one little truck, I guess. But uh, I call it the Trojan Huddle. I mean, just yeah. do the, the things that work. Call you know, go back and do that. Now, what will that take? It will take a whole lot more work by who? 
Um, I think we know who did not have to do much Saturday. Who was in Augusta, Georgia Saturday? You know, <laughs> put the, you know, Lance first Watt. things first. USC football ought to come first. And everybody, you know, in the athletic department, if the football, uh, you know, program drives the whole budget, which it pretty much does, then everybody ought to be involved on days like that. And they ought to, you know, invite as many people onto campus as they can, or if, you know, tailgate on campus and then go over and, uh, go over to the Coliseum, but, uh, but make it happen. I mean, just little things that they could have tried. Did anybody try, uh, to relocate the game to the LAF, you know, football club stadium sitting right there on, you know, basically what's USC property now, you know, no, I mean, why didn't that happen? Why yeah. couldn't you have had a, uh, you know, whatever you were going to call it at the LA football club stadium, you know, I just, I feel it's a path of least resistance thing, Dan, which I, I, I agree. You need to get away from that. Like go back to, you know, is it a little more work to do the spring game there? I think you got to get back to doing that. Yeah. I, I, we just don't see that kind of extra effort challenge, you know, break the mold, come up with some new thoughts, some, uh, you know, new blood and all that. USC kind of is ground down into the, you know, and they'll always tell you things like, okay, we have a really bad Nike contract. Yeah. It's like the worst Nike contract in the country. But the next time, we're going to really get a good Nike contract. It was just the wrong, you know, and everything you look at, they've got a story like that, you know, and you just say, no, make it happen now. Figure out ways to get things done now. Uh, but we're not seeing that. Yeah. Keely, any other uh, thoughts from the spring showcase? Uh, we should probably talk about the quarterback stuff, but what, what did you, any other thoughts before we jump into that? I was actually surprised. I thought they would go a little bit lighter on tackling. Now, I know a lot of people have different opinions on this, but knowing the, I guess, the Clay Hilton standard, I thought they would kind of reserve to bring it back a little bit. And they did some tackling. So I thought that was at least good on that part. Um, I talked leading up on the Family Feud podcast about people talking about the quarterbacks. And some people think that Jack Sears don't, doesn't really get a fair shot. Which I was saying is we see Jack Sears have good days on Tuesdays or Thursdays when there's less pressure. But sometimes when it comes to a Saturday, when there's a, a scrimmage-type situation where there's more pressure, you kind of see Jack get a little bit into his head or not perform as well as we've seen prior. And I think that's kind of the case of what happened in the Spring Showcase. It wasn't Jack Sears' best day. And so I think people lose sight of that is that sometimes when the when the pressure is on, Sears kind of wavers a little bit. And that, that's not something you really want from whoever is going to be your starting quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. People saw the Arizona State game, and there's some USC fans are just like, it's Jack Sears, it's the best. But, you know, he, he very well might be the best. But it's like, I don't know how you know that from one game. And we watch practice, and we, you know, we've definitely seen that game. But I don't think you could know that he's the best. Like, people just are adamant, like, nope, Jack Sears is the best. And didn't we have Max Brown on the show? And he said that that specific game, they split up the read. So he was only reading half of the field. Yes, exactly. He was like, that's not going to be a long-term solution for Jack where you can only read half of the field. Like, defenses are going to figure that out. So when people hold Jack Sears up to the ASU standards, like, well, he was also given a little bit of advantage in that sense. They tried to help him out there. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, by just doing that, they did a little bit of what they're doing now on offense where, you know, they simplified it, you know, they made it uh, more repeatable, and it actually worked better. Uh, you know, who knew? It, you know, they could have taken a lesson from themselves that week. Uh, 
But, I mean, I just can't even imagine you would go away from the guy that started 11 games or whatever, 11 games last year, I guess, uh, and all that experience and all that arm talent and, and all of that. I, I just, I mean, I think they're doing a really good job of splitting things up and going with all four, and they're not doing it the way they did last year where because they're doing so much more, uh, everybody gets to throw to everybody. Last year, you know, you'd get it, we were into September, and guys like Michael Pittman said, boy, I wish I'd have had more throws from JT. You know, I'm just starting to now to figure out some things and because of the way they divided up uh, a third, a third, and a third. And uh, so, but uh, it's just almost impossible to imagine that you go away from the, you know, the guy that you started as a freshman and uh, and and survived against all the, you know, the things that were, you know, a team that couldn't run the ball, a team that couldn't snap the ball, a team that you couldn't depend on uh, everybody, uh, you know, executing their assignment on the line of scrimmage, and you'd have what were called physical beats uh, regularly. Uh, and JT came out of that, you know, and survived it and, and did a lot of really good things. Uh, so it just it seems almost a fantasy to think that, oh, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction this year with a much more defined system, which if you were going to you know, devise an offensive system uh, for JT Daniels, you said, here's what this quarterback can do. Here's our system. It would be almost exactly what they're trying to do. So, you know, we can make up stories about, you know, the freshman Caden Slovis is doing a great job for an early entry freshman who could still be in high school, but there's just pretty much one quarterback uh, on this team in terms of the starting quarterback, I think. It's JT. Yeah, I think, you know, when we saw Matt Fink and Jack Sears do well, there's some people that are just like, I want to see a more athletic quarterback. So they're, they'll instantly eliminate JT Daniels. But there, I do think it wasn't the fairest playing field where – they looked at JT Daniels last year as like, he's got to do our Sam Darnold work. Just we're going to roll him out there and and try to you know have him fix everything. Where if it was, they didn't really trust, in my opinion, uh, Matt Fink or Jack Sears as much. So they were going to give him a much more, those guys a much more concentrated game plan, something simpler. And it just wasn't, I feel like with better better coaching, you would have seen JT Daniels perform better. Now they've all are getting good coaching. So if we get to see multiple guys play against similar opponents, I think it's it's a much more even playing field. But I do feel like you're going to see JT Daniels just perform a lot better because the coaching and the scheme, and they, they're going to have an identity on offense. All of that stuff, to me, is going to be better. So what you liked about Jack Sears in the Arizona State game, you should probably, I'm guessing you're going to see more of that from JT Daniels. But I don't know, whatever reason, there's some people just like, nope, I saw JT, he stinks. I want a more athletic dude. And I don't think there's any convincing him unless JT Daniels comes out of the gate and just kills it uh, if he you know gets names of stars. So we'll see. But it, it's this weird narrative that people keep talking about. And they, and they have very, very strong opinions you know it's like I, I watch those practices i don't go to games i was like yeah i mean maybe that guy's a little bit better i don't it's hard to say sometimes i we know who we saw was better in practice and i'm not blaming jt for the way the games went but there's some people that don't watch anything they're like nope this is the guy i saw the arizona state game and it's just it's kind of baffling to me well i mean i think if you premise who your starting quarterback is on this grounds that a the ball might be snapped badly b 
your line can't block anybody. C, you can't run. And D, your uh, routes aren't all that good and you're not getting that many people open. Maybe if your quarterback runs around long enough and avoids the first rush, somebody will find an open space. Yeah, that's our offensive game plan. Let's do that. And so basically if you want the guy that can scramble, you're, you're essentially saying we can't run an offense. Therefore, we're going to get a scrambler and hope he can run away from tra- you know, traffic and, and just get somewhere long enough you know, to find somebody get open. Uh, that's probably not the way to build uh, an offense. Uh, you know, and, and it worked for USC in year one with Sam. I don't know that it worked in year two. Sam you know, had a little injury issue and, and maybe wasn't quite as athletic, and teams realized what they had to do uh, to not let Sam have the room to turn up field at all. And, you know, year two was not a great year for Sam Darnold. I mean, they made life really difficult for him in this offense. So to say, you know, that, uh, that you want JT doing the same thing, I mean, it didn't work for Sam his second year all that well. And JT, you know, he's quicker now. He lost seven pounds. I think he's more athletic, but I think, you know, you want him in there for his arm talent and his ability to deliver the ball on time, you know, and on target. And, you know, that's, that's what quarterbacks do. That's what, you know, that's what Tom Brady does. That's what Peyton Manning did. That's what Joe Montana did. I mean, you know, those guys that, you know, how many, how many runs did Carson Palmer make on, and, and, and Matt Leinart make on their way to the Heisman Trophy? You know, I mean, it's just like, what are you guys talking about? While we're on this topic, can I just jump into questions? Because we have a question that oh, has yeah. to do with this. Let's do it. So Don sent us a question saying, why do you think there is so much, quote unquote, hate towards JT Daniels in the local media? They like to refer to JT as Helton's boy, quote unquote, and doubt there is real competition. I mean, I even, this is me talking now, I even heard Harvey Hyde kind of suggest on your podcast yesterday, Ryan, that there's kind of a fix in for JT Daniels. There wasn't that much of a real competition, but I feel like people forget that there was all of spring for Matt Fink or, or Jack Sears to make a, a mark or, or at least have a lead. And I don't think they really took advantage of that, that time period. Yeah. Last yeah, spring I mean, coming out of last spring. Don't you think it was basically at last spring at the showcase, the guy who got the most attention was JT Daniels walking along the track in, with his backpack. You know, and everybody, oh, my God, wait, wait, can't wait till JT gets here. Uh, you know, and it was in the summer. Is JT throwing yet? You know, and all of that. Because basically people had kind of given up on, you know, the offense and the quarterbacks in the spring. So, you know, it was, you know, the fix was in. It was just based on, you know, JT's, uh, you know, high school career and, and what people saw him do and, uh, you know, what people were saying about him. I mean, what Jordan Palmer and what Sam Darnold was saying about him, you know, in terms of, you know, how, I mean, you know, people saying things like, you know, Jordan Palmer saying there are things right now that he's doing. This is while well, he was still in high school. They're saying he's, think, he's doing things right now better than, uh, better than Sam. And Jordan coached both of them. Uh, so, you know, there was a, a good reason to, to think that way. So, you know, I don't, I don't know the fix was in. But after the spring, it was hard not to say, that everybody wasn't thinking um, that JT's the man. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. There is, there's people have strong opinions on all things. There's some, there's some hate like the, uh, 
was it Don? Who, yes. you know, yeah, like the, the people have said, I, I don't get it. Um, but a lot of times just people like pick, we see this on the message boards all the time. Like they, you, if they come in and like, oh, I like Michael Pittman better than Tyler Vaughn's. And so it doesn't matter whatever happens the rest of their careers. Like you, you picked him out of high school. So you have to like stand by him. They just, people just make these decisions and then they're going to like, I'm going to prove this decision right for the rest of my life. So I, I don't get it, but that's, that's kind of the way it goes. The hill that they're going to die on. Yeah. Um, let's go to another question. Mike in the Bay Area has a different opinion than we do. He says, my question is for Keely and Dan. Is the Pac-12 two-hand touch now? If not, what did I watch on Saturday? Obviously, this staff doesn't get it. My apologies if the league is now two-hand touch. Thanks for all the content and hard work you put into the site. Fight on, Mike. So Mike feels a little different from what he saw on Saturday. So what do you think, Keely? Go ahead. (laughs) I would say no. The league is not two-hand touch now. What about uh, you, Dan? <laughs> okay. You know, I, I think there, you know, I mean, I think you play like you practice. And if it looked like it was two-hand, for example, I don't think Utah played two-hand touch. I think Washington tried to play defense. Uh, uh, USC didn't practice that way. So they ended up not playing that way in games. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that's what we're seeing now. Uh, I think they've been pretty aggressive. I think they've got guys that, you know, they've got a lot of athletes on defense. They're trying to play fast with them. When we've heard, we, you know, we've, we've been given those promises before, playing fast and aggressive and simple and get their athletes on the field. I think this team will be physical. I think they're, they're such a focus on uh, the UCLA game has exposed everything that was wrong with that defense and, and, and the whole idea of, you know, not fitting properly against the run and the gap integrity and all of the things that went wrong in the UCLA game. And I think, you know, that's the constant with this team. So I think they're going to play the run a lot better. Uh, but, you know, they're, I think they're practicing it better. They're practicing, you know, running to the football. They're practicing reacting as a team. Uh, I think if you get enough good athletes running to the ball and playing fast, you're going to be physical. I, I just convinced of that. If you're reading and reacting constantly and trying to say, oh, what, what are we supposed to do here now? And trying to, let me memorize my keys here. If this happens and that happens and this, uh-oh, there goes the ball. You know, there goes <laughs> that guy running. And, and that's what it was a lot last year. You know, there was a complexity issue uh, this is not an NFL team. These are not 10-year veterans. Uh, you don't have them for unlimited time. And you've got to make it simple enough so they can go out there and play. And that your best athletes, like a Drake Jackson, uh, like a Pally EA and uh, Talanoa last year, are on the field. They have to be on the field. You have to do something so they can play fast and play up to their athletic ability from the get-go. And we see that happening more. Uh, you know, were they not going to tackle yesterday or Saturday? No, they, they weren't going to tackle a lot. Uh, but I think it's a lot more aggressive and a lot more uh, physical, I think, is more than just taking people to the ground. Physical is, is how do you shed blockers and how do you get to the, um, how do you get to the point of attack and, and what shape are you in? Where, where are your shoulders and where are your feet? And, where is your, you know, center of gravity, and are you able to deliver a blow? And um, and I think, you know, I think this team will be 
And I think that you have to be in the Pac-12 because, you know, there are teams that don't have enough, you know, physical ability and enough athletes. And USC should always have an advantage over those teams. Uh, and, and, I mean, I think it played out a couple of years ago when they go to Washington, and that was a, a playoff team that Washington had. USC showed up ready to play, and it was obvious. USC was more physical. Uh, they were faster. They were stronger. They were bigger. And they, had, they just had better players. And uh, that's the kind of game. I mean, that may be the best game of the Clay Helton era, but – that team has to show up every single week, uh, you know, this coming fall. Will they? Uh, I think they've got a chance. But, again, we've said that before, and it's not just based on the athletes that are out there. It's, it's how they practice every day and, and what, the, you know, what the commitment of the coaches is and, and, and all of that. And I think they will, but uh, so I'm not, I'm not a two-hand touch guy. I don't think that's who they are, but that's how they practiced last year. No, I think I think um, from what I heard, Colorado's practicing tougher. I mean, they got, you know, was it Mel Tucker? I guess came in yep. from uh, Georgia. Yeah, and, you know, guy. Yep. Utah, certainly, you know, certainly you're going to see physicality from Stanford. You always will. I think Cal's very physical. I I, I wouldn't say it's a whole Pac-12 thing, um, but and for USC, I think Oregon Oregon is really working on yeah. being more physical. You have I an mean, offensive line, one that- yeah. They don't have a quarterback for head coach. They have an offensive alignment. So like that's yeah. just, you know, by definition, that's going to be good. And my gut is just from watching spring this year, even the last two practices, there was more tackling to the ground, which like Dan said, that's not, you know, everything, but there was more of that. And I felt like the last couple of years, it was like they were going out of their way to avoid some physicality in practice. And now it seems like, I'm not saying they're embracing it, but they're, they're, do, they're at least doing it in a, like a, smarter way where before it was like just try to avoid it you know what i mean yeah i'm wondering because mike is in the bay Bay area i'm wondering if he's ever come down to practices and seen them before this spring showcase that was televised because believe it or not saturday was an improvement from what we've seen before as ryan said like they would start to get contact and you'd hear coaches say stay up stay up don't hit each other like just just play it safe and so you didn't really hear that you haven't been hearing that the fact that they've been going Two full pad practices a week is an improvement. Um, and you can't deny the fact that the defense is banged up. You did lose Talano Hufunga from trying to go too hard. You have Isaiah Polamau and Greg Johnson still in no contact jerseys. Um, so it's there are limitations. I do think this is an improvement. Whether or not that's to Mike's standards, who knows? Clearly not. But <laughs> I think this is a, a step in the right direction for USC and from what we've seen. I mean, just the fact that the, the three yellow jersey secondary guys all have, you know, could well be, you know, should well be starters. Uh, we're getting as much contact, you know, they're supposed to not be contacting, but they're contacting and playing in physical. That's one of the reasons, uh, you know, Talano, you know, rebroke his uh, collarbone. But, uh, but they haven't backed off. So that was an opportunity to say, oh, we're going to back off. So yeah. We can't take any more chances. I didn't notice any adjustment whatsoever you know it's oh it's a you know bad break he probably shouldn't have you know made that dive and and, and you know tried to you know save that play uh but uh i didn't get the sense that anybody said oh we we better not do that and i think last last year we'd have had kind of a sense that you know we kind of got to take it a little easier or whatever not hearing any of that none of that so uh you know from being there 
uh, you'd probably get the sense that, you know, if they were going to back off, that would have been the opportunity. They didn't, they haven't, and uh, it doesn't look like they will. So, yeah, I, I, would, not, I would not stick with the two-hand touch thing until, uh, until you see them come out next fall and, and, and see. But we'll, we'll probably warn you, if, if they start, you know, doing what are sort of glorified walkthroughs at practice, um, you're going to probably hear from, you know, whatever. I don't know whether we'll get to see those or not, but uh, uh, whatever we see, uh, we'll tell you. And, you know, we're not seeing the, the, the same approach to practice that we saw last year. Yep, I would have to agree with that. We have a question from Nick from Cy- Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. He says, my question is, what would you like to see USC finish off as a strong spring camp. What might give you red flags that you don't want to see that Coach Helton has done before? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It's the finish. I just think it's just, you know, what they're doing as they go through. I mean, I just think, I think they've done a good job, for example, and and this is something we didn't know until you talked to everybody. Uh, the way they sat down with people in January and said, you know, this is what your weight needs to be, and we need you to get there, you know, up or down, um, that they took the offense or the defensive lineman and, uh, you know, pretty much 10 pounds a man. We need you to be quicker. Um, you're strong enough. You're big enough. Uh, we don't need that extra weight that JT, you know, lost seven pounds, that uh, uh, bum, 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 uh, Marquis Stepp, down about 15 we saw how that played out uh saturday um i think uh 10 or 12 pounds more on uh you know john houston uh, uh i guess uh pala ea uh down uh you know down to 244 from 250 but just enough to be i think those are things that, that are going to carry through and and you know at usc they're probably not investing the same dollars and personnel into the nutrition program and the weight program was obviously in a state of flux, but, uh, um, you know, you see guys that, that are stronger and, and in, you know, in better shape and, and, and much, you know, much more right where you want them, you know, weight-wise. So a lot of that is the players themselves making that decision. The coaches have to kind of say, this is what we need. Players got to do it. And uh, I just think we're seeing more of that. So that's what I think you want to have carry through the rest of the spring and through the summer is it players who are taking responsibility uh, for, you know, what they're doing and where they are and, and all, you know, all the different areas. I think, I think you're seeing leadership from guys like, uh, you know, Amon Ra, JT and Amon Ra just going into their, you know, they've been here not quite a year. I think they're, they're showing a lot of leadership. I think you're seeing more, hearing more from guys like a John Houston who, you know, they used to kid that nobody ever heard his voice. And now he's, uh, you know, the middle linebacker and he's making the calls and, and much more vocal. Uh, I do think they've got the kind of leadership that kids listen to. And, and from the younger guys, Talanoa, I think, is a big, uh, a big leader and uh, a guy they'll follow. And uh, that's, that's kind of encouraging, I think. I mean, it's one of the things that makes you feel good. Sometimes it's just kind of the the meshing of the personalities where guys just say, you know, I'm going to do it and, you know, follow me. Uh, but then you also have older guys like, uh, like a Connor Murphy. And all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, who's this guy? Look at him. You know, he's 268 pounds and, and 
you know, the guy that everybody's kind of been waiting for looks like he might be that guy. And he's played three different positions and, you know, in the spring and looks like, uh, he's a, you know, really going to contribute. And, you know, there's just a lot of those kinds of things that have happened that you think if that can happen through, you know, the rest of the spring and the summer and get into the fall, uh, that's a really good thing. Yeah. Nick, I think right now with, uh, 12 practices down, only three left. It's hard for me to picture what a red flag would be. That's like, Oh, well, this is going to be concerning. Like, I don't, you know, they only have one fully padded practice left because of the, uh, what they're allowed to a week or whatever. So, I mean, I, I feel like they'll be as physical the last couple of practices that they do on Saturday, if they finish off on a fully padded practice, um, it would have to be something really weird to be like a red flag. Like, Oh, Keaton Slovis is the, 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 the starting quarterback or something, but I don't, I'm not trying to think like at this point, like it's, it's, I think you're past the red flag. They're doing, they're going to do what they've been doing. And I don't feel it's going to just change all that much where something would be like, Oh, well, watch out the last week of spring practice. They did this. And that's concerning to me. You know, I don't kill You're giving a little look over there. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think a red flag would be if they kind of use these last three practices as throwaway practices. We've yeah, seen sometimes that's not good. in fall camp when they kind of feel like they've reached their limit. Sometimes they have like a glorified walkthrough and it's like, OK, what did they really accomplish today? Um, and I understand the limitations when you can't go full pads or you're going to be there is going to be a, a no pads practice in, in this week. But I just think as long as you're getting learning and stuff out of these last week of practices, I think that will be good. A red flag is if it's a throwaway. I think Dan said in instant analysis, if they kind of set them up for this is how we want you to practice over the offseason before fall camp during play around practices, use this time for that. I think that will also be a positive as well. Yeah, I think that that could happen, you know, Saturday. But uh, I we haven't seen a hint of any changes. I mean, what they started doing, they're doing. I mean, that's how they're doing it. And we just haven't seen anything where guys are just standing around, you know, looking at, looking at, you know, diagrams or whatever. Uh, you know, they're they're much more efficient, much more, you know, much faster moving. I mean, and to be honest, just you want when we go talk to the guys as they come off the field, uh, you, like a group like the offensive line. Last year, there were days when you thought, you know what, they may not have to launder these uh, practice uniforms here. They're, uh, you know, they look pretty, uh, pretty, and that's not the case this year. When those guys come off, they are, I mean, there's, you know, the sweat is running off of them and the guys you, you think really need to be working like crazy are working like crazy. You know, the same with the wide receivers. There aren't a lot of them. And so they get a ton of reps and, um, they're working their butts off. So, <clears throat> so I think, I just don't think we've seen any wavering and this is what we do. This is how we do it. And it's going to be as close to game situation as possible. Uh, they didn't have to do a lot of adjusting, you know, to, to say, oh, okay, now it's going to be, you know, a scrimmage like game condition, whatever. They've been doing that all, you know, all spring with, with officials and clock. <clears throat> and, you know, from day one, um, Graham Harrell went up upstairs and calling the plays from upstairs. And uh, all of that is just going so much, you know, so much more smoothly, so much more quickly, more efficiently that uh, I'm almost not sure where, uh, you know, a red flag could come in uh, uh, unless they stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. We have <laughs> one final question, and it's from James Betancourt. He says, I've noticed that UCLA is willing to spend money, whereas USC is not. 
They spent $36 million to get rid of Mora and hire Kelly, and now I hear that they offered Calipari $48 million over six years, which he turned down. Here's a hypothetical question. Suppose they got lucky, UCLA he's talking about, and they got the right coaches in basketball and football and started to get into the Final Four in both football and basketball every year. And in the process, they started to kick SC's butt every year in both sports. Do you think that this would be enough incentive to get some of the people higher up at SC, administrators, big donor, big donors, or even SC alumni who have made a name for themselves in the world to start demanding that we bring this football program back to the glory days? It's just not that hard to win big in football at USC. <coughs> SC has advantages that most other schools don't have. James. Well, I mean... I can't even imagine that scenario. That's that's a, a scary scenario. UCLA Final Four and and both sports, but uh, you know it matters. Uh, people matter, and if you go three straight coaches and three straight uh, athletic directors, who maybe you know, if you look at USC's program, certainly in football uh, and in athletics overall, USC's a top five football program historically. No argument. USC is a top five overall athletic program. No arguing that. Has USC hired on that basis? I mean, has USC hired an athletic director in the last 15 years who anyone else in the country would have hired? I don't think so. Has USC hired a football coach, um, you know, that was, would have, been in competition for any of the other top five jobs in the country? No. USC has to, I think, have to say, you know, we are this top five program. I mean, if you say, well, the only, well, we pay our athletic directors more than anybody else in the country. So doesn't that count? No, it doesn't count. That's wasted money. You could, you know, start two you could start women's gymnastics and softball what you're paying the athletic director and still paying more than you know everybody but three or four athletic directors in the country uh so yes these priorities have been kind of all screwed up in terms of you know athletics and where they go from here and how they get there and who they do it with and it, it really matters people really matter you have to get the. i mean let's face it they didn't improve their facilities or anything else when they hired pete carroll they just got pete carroll and he took advantage of all the things that USC has to offer and all the things that, you know, Southern California has to offer and, uh, you know, the people that you can recruit. And he did it and took off. That's what you have to do. Uh, you have to get the right people in place. But if you don't have the right people trying to hire the right people, that's really hard. And that's where USC is, you know, at this point with, uh, you know, just hoping that maybe they'll get back. I mean, you get to the point where you say, when they're, when they're hiring, you say, I don't even want them to do the right. I just want them to get lucky. You know, they got lucky with, with, uh, uh, with Pete Carroll. He was like the third or fourth choice. And he just happened to be the right choice. Not necessarily for the right reasons. The other guys turned him down. And they ended up with Pete Carroll. UCLA's in that same situation with basketball. Maybe they got the right guy. You know, and and a Mick Cronin, who I just have some history with, you know, with their family. But he might be the right guy. I'm not sure UCLA knows that. Uh, I, I guarantee you, you know, their fans don't know that, and and we'll find out. But 
you would like to be able to look at your athletic administration and say, I think they really know what they're doing. Uh, you know, they're working hard at it. They're pushing, they're competing. Uh, I mean, and the world's a different place. When Pete came into USC, the rest of the Pac-12 wasn't really competing quite the way they are now. Uh, everybody's trying to compete. Everybody, the, the dollars are, you know, bigger. And the ability for people to compete is, is you know, is, it's more spread out. And, uh, and, and nationally, you know, conferences and teams are competing in ways in which they never competed before. In sports, they never competed before. USC has to keep up. And they can't just, you know, rely on, uh, you know, we're USC. And, yeah, I think they've got to, you know, consider what happens if UCLA gets it right. They also got to consider uh, what's happening the rest of the sports, uh, you know, offerings in Los Angeles with the Dodgers on a, you know, on a big-time uh, run. They've got the right people, you know, running the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, the Angels have, you know, they've got Mike Trout and uh, the uh, – you know, LeBron at the, uh, at the Lakers, you're really, you know, you're really battling, uh, you know, some tremendous, uh, obviously with the Rams, you're sharing a, a stadium where I guarantee you there will be more made of the two Rams exhibition games, which will open the, uh, the Coliseum, the renovated Coliseum, than they will for the USC actual game that opens the Coliseum, uh, you know, after the Rams. And that's not the way it ought to be. And USC's got to get back in, you know, in the picture. And, you know, just riding on your, you know, laurels and saying, hey, we're USC. No. What did you do? What are you doing? I mean, the, the chances that all three major programs could have losing seasons this year, something that's happened, what, three times in the last century, that's not good. No. And that means, you know, people at the top are, are not getting the job done. And, um, so I don't think they need to wait for UCLA, you know, to figure it out. USC's got to figure it out, and that's got to start right now. New president, we'll see. But uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I think you should act as if UCLA may do that uh, and, and act accordingly and not wait for that to happen. Yeah, I agree with everything Dan said, James. But, you, dude, you got to pump the brakes a little bit, first of all. You, okay. <laughs> Chip Kelly was a great hire, uh, came from the Wassermans and they came in and, and, and made that happen. Uh, we'll see how it works out. I mean, obviously didn't have a great first year, but I feel like that's, you got the guy everyone wanted. So that's good. The basketball search was an absolute cluster. It was insanely bad. It might, like Dan said, it might work out well. I think you got a good one in Cronin, but you know, they offered Kyle Perry, less money than when he was making at Kentucky. Like, what are you doing there? They they thought they had Jamie Dixon, and they balked at the buyout. This was bungled in a lot of different ways. So I don't – and to, to say, oh, they're going to be in top four in football and, and basketball, even as a hypothetical, just seems absolutely silly to me. And that's not – like what Dan said, that's not what you need – that shouldn't be what motivates USC to start making the right decisions from high up and, and hiring the right people at the very highest level. We've already seen the boosters and everybody that gets involved already. And it's a it's a bad deal when that happens. People have their own personal agendas. They're not all looking out for what's USC. If you happen to be best friends with like Jeff Fisher and you're some huge booster, you're going to be calling out Carol Fulton, Lynn Swan, like, hey, we want Jeff Fisher as a head coach. 
Do you think he's going to be the best head coach for USC? Hell no. But you're tight with him and you get some good access and stuff. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. That needs to stop. When you had a Pete Carroll come in, dumb luck, whatever you want to call it, it worked. And I think you need to just get people that are good football people or good athletic director people, not people you know because of blah, blah, blah. Like, who cares about that stuff? Get people that are really good at their jobs and this will be fine. You don't need UCLA to go on some epic run uh, and have them spend more money to motivate USC. You need to just make the right decisions at the top. USC's not been making the right decisions for a decade. That has to stop. Once that stops, things will be fine. Like you said, there's inherent advantages being USC, but you can't you can't handcuff yourself what USC keeps doing over and over. And, and you can't hope that you get help from outside. I, I'll, a little story, when, when Pete Carroll gets hired, uh, Ed Orgeron was kind of out there recruiting, and he wasn't sure, am I going to get, you know, will they keep me, won't they keep me? Uh, do I go to the coaches' convention? Do I, uh, you know, uh, have to look for another job? And I know a guy who probably doesn't get enough credit for a lot of stuff he does, Brian Kennedy, <laughs> got involved with Ed and said, you know, you, 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 be the, you be the holdover guy. You be the guy that really gets the recruiting started for Pete. And I think they ended up, you know, getting uh, 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 Sean Cody and um, uh, Tommy Malone, and both became all Americans. And I, as I recall, Brian went out. And I think, you know, back in the day, I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Uh, I don't know if the coaches even had their own laptops, and said, "I'm going to get you a laptop," and you know, just trying to help out in little ways like that. And then, you know, Ed made it it was obvious to Pete, hey, I need this guy. You know, he's my, you know, going to get me off to a flying start with recruiting. So, you know, there are ways that can help. But but I think um, USC, again, in that case, they got lucky. They did not know, you know, that Pete Carroll was the guy. I still remember sitting down my first one-on-one with Mike Garrett and, and after going to some early practices, and he asked me, I said, what do you think? He said, you think Pete can, can get it done? And I said, yeah, I, I really like what I'm seeing in practice, but, uh, but I'm not sure anybody at USC in those early days was sure that, that Pete Carroll could get it done. Uh, so sometimes you better to be lucky. But uh, it's a lot harder to be lucky if you don't have the right people in place. If you've got the right people in place, um, you've got a much better chance of being so-called lucky. And, uh, you know, so USC's right now in that place where you're hoping they get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got lucky when we hired Keeley back in the day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Dad, yeah. My whole staff, like all you guys, you know, I think you get to get lucky every once in a while. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what goes on there. Thanks, James, and all the other questions we got. One more week of spring football. Actually, got to practice a little bit later today. If depend when you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. Um, but that's. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Keely, thanks for coming in the studio. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Dan, thanks for being available as always online. I enjoyed it. That's uh, can't wait. Yeah, one more, one more uh, Tuesday, one more Thursday, one more Saturday, then done, donezo. No more spring football. All right. Uh, thanks so much, everyone out there, for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to uh, plug our little show in. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, 
interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 